0: We're going to look at uh, Romans chapter four briefly, and Romans chapter nine briefly. So, yeah, I may have set myself an impossible task. We'll see how it goes. Uh, the idea is that I want to—I want us to now look at two uh, questions. There are more questions than this in Romans uh, that come up based on what Paul said. Uh, but these are two questions um, that get raised um, from the teaching that Paul is given, which is that uh, everyone, uh, whether Jew or Greek, can be made righteous by faith. And so we can see that uh, in chapter 3, where Paul said... This was, you know, chapter 3, verse 21 to 26 were kind of a, a massive climax to what he'd said leading up to there. And he, he says this uh, remarkable statement, There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Not only that, but he's also said, For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And then he's gone on to say, Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. What Paul's been saying is he's been saying that Jews and Gentiles are all in the same boat, all under sin, under the power of sin. And he's now saying that justification is available to everybody and it's available freely as a gift by faith. And that is like a a bit of an explosion. So then, for us, as Gentiles, we uh, perhaps receive this and think, wonderful news, and it may not enter into our mind a question of, how does this new thing connect to the old thing? Or put another way, um, how reliable is this message that you're introducing? Uh, Are you switching up the game? Or has God switched up the game? And can God therefore be trusted? And can this message be trusted? Right? Those are the things at stake. And for us, the Uh, The issue at stake is, to help us to appreciate, for the Jews, they would have easily felt it and got it because it was such a change in direction, you see. Um, But for us, in order to help us think this through, if God just changed the game at Jesus, at the Jesus event, in such a way that didn't have any continuity with the past, it does beg the question, how reliable is God? And as people who have put their trust in his promises, because he makes a promise to us in Jesus, we stake our lives on it, we're banking on the future, then if God is unreliable and if he hasn't mixed up the game, and if, he is, if his word is failing, and if he's going back on things that he said, what makes us feel so confident at the moment? You see? What if God does the same thing again? So, I imagine that the Jews would have seen that really clearly. And Paul's introducing this message about faith, justification by faith, uh, and so now, Paul's got some a little bit of answering to do. So what I'm going to do is that the two the two questions are going to be, okay, Paul, you've introduced justification by faith, but what about Abraham? What about Abraham? How does he fit into this? And so let's read. Chapter 4, verse 1 to 8. And then the question will be, Okay, Paul, you said that uh, it's people who have faith in Christ who get this righteousness and that um, being born a Jew doesn't automatically get you in. Uh, So now if it's not just about being a Jew... What's happened? as God's word to the Jews failed? There are two questions, and that's going to be chapter 9, verse uh, 6. So I'll read them out. Chapter 4 says this. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter... If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against him. And then he goes on to say, he wants to then know, okay, that blessing of righteousness by faith Is it only for the circumcised? Or is it also for the uncircumcised? And then Paul says, We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstance was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised, in order that righteousness might be credited to them. So Paul's argument in connection to Abraham has got two parts. The first part is, what about Abraham? Uh, If Abraham was justified by works, then that's a different situation, and he can boast in a different way to what we can because we've been justified by faith. And Paul then, in verse 3, says, no, look, it says in Scripture, uh, Genesis, Abraham believed God and it was credited to to him as righteousness. And then he goes on to use this um, analogy of working to explain that um, if he was working, then his wages would have been uh, not a a gift, but they would have been something that was owed to him. Um, However, that's not the case with uh, Abraham. The righteousness that he received uh, was credited to him. So what Paul's doing there is, is he's saying Abraham is an example of somebody being justified by faith. And he is no different to the message that I have been giving him. So the message is in continuity. And then his second point is that, uh, the second question then is, when was that given to him? Was it before he came, became a Jew or after? Or before he received circumcision or after? And Paul does an amazing thing in highlighting the fact that he was credited this righteousness before he was circumcised and that means he was a Gentile. So Abraham himself was just a person in the world, a Gentile, a non-Jew, when he believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Therefore, his conclusion, uh, he is the father of all. Uh, not only those who um, have been circumcised, but the father of all those who believe have the same faith as Abraham. So essentially what Paul gets to say then uh, with the matter of Abraham is good point, O oh Jew. Let's think about Abraham. Turns out Abraham himself was justified by faith. You remember that? Not only so, he was justified by faith while he was a Gentile. So he is like the archetypal Gentile who has faith. Therefore, the message that I'm saying about being justified by faith is in continuity with the biblical story. Perhaps you just haven't seen it because it was hidden before but now it's been revealed. So... That strengthens uh, the message and uh, keeps this message of faith, uh, gives it integrity. So let's go to uh, Romans 9 now. He expands on this in chapter chapter 4 about, you know, why it had to be by faith and what what the um, problems would be if it was by works of the law. But two points there suffice. Uh, for the argument tonight. So the second one, when we get to chapter 9, is that Paul is saying that uh, he's just been explaining in 1 to 8 that righteousness is for um, everybody and that um, uh, we're completely safe in Christ. But then it raises this question, What about God's word to the Israelites, specifically, as a people? Okay, fine. It's in continuity with Abraham, but what about that word to the Israelites where you said that you would be their God, they would be your people, Um, you brought them out uh, of Egypt, you planted them the land, Um, I thought you were going to bless your people. What about that? And this is what he says. It is not as though, verse chapter 1, verse 6, it is not as though God's word had failed. For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Nor, because they are his descendants, are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Quote, in other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. Quote, At the appointed time I will return and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, he moves on, but Rebecca's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet, before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Now, I think you can get the point... um, Uh, He he states it fairly clearly in uh, the first couple of lines. His point here, because the question is, has God's word failed to Israel? And then he says, no, effectively, why? Verse 6b, because not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. So now he says, aha, but here's the thing about Israel, right? You guys are Jews. But just because you're born physically into the Jewish nation doesn't mean you belong to uh, the Jews considered as God's people. But he needs to give evidence for that. And what's his evidence? Well, he says, verse 7, he says just because someone is a descendant Uh, doesn't mean they're all Abraham's children. And then this is his quote. Rather, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Now, the thing about uh, Abraham is, Abraham did have another physical child, Ishmael. Right? But Ishmael is not part of God's covenant people. So it's not purely physical descent from Abraham. Rather, as Paul's quoted from Genesis, uh, it's through Isaac, the promised child, uh, that your offspring will be reckoned. And that's what he says there uh, in verse 8b. But it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. Um, So in effect here, what he's saying is, my word, God's word hasn't failed because his word was... Not simply all the people who um, are physically descended from Abraham will uh, inherit the blessing, will be considered his his offspring, that is, among the people of God, uh, but it is the people who are of the promise. And so that's where he goes on to um, state the same thing concerning uh, the next generation. So Rebecca's children are the same. She's got two babies in her, but it's um, Jacob and Esau. But the thing about those guys is they're both descended from Abraham and they both come from Isaac. So in the other case, you could say, oh, it was because of Sarah, you see? So it was kind of half an Abraham child, but not a full Abraham child. But there's no denying when you get to um, Isaac's children, because Isaac and Rebecca, perfect. Two babies in the womb at the same time, and only one of them becomes the people of God. Because of God's word in advance, the older will serve the younger. So it's the people according to promise uh, who are truly the people of Israel. And so, without getting into the question of how God can, um, of God's election... Um, he, he's effectively saying at this point, in an answer to the question, has God's word failed? No, because that's not what God's word promised. <coughs> so, the second objection that this message, which is now um, all the Gentiles are going to be receiving uh, righteousness by faith, and not necessarily all the Jews are going to be received by faith. Um, It's an objection that Paul has countered by saying that doesn't undermine God's word, doesn't undermine God's faithfulness, because that's not the word of the promise. So he's still keeping his promise to his people. Uh, And the third uh, point, if we um, wanted to get one more, was in chapter 11, then the question is, has God completely rejected his people? Chapter 11, verse 1, I ask them, did God reject his people? And then he says, by no means. And he gives himself as an illustration that he hasn't. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people, whom he foreknew. And then he gives the example of Elijah. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah how he appealed to God against Israel. Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant of Jews chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain? The elect among them did, but the others were hardened. And then Paul shows that this is what our God has promised in advance, that there would be some Jews who wouldn't believe and that God's judgment would be upon them. So far from being contrary to God's word, God is actually keeping his word, but he's keeping all of his word. Uh, And perhaps it was the case that they didn't take seriously enough uh, the words of judgment that that were in there. So he says, look, as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear, to this very day. There is a split, a divide, within the people of Israel. And David also says... May their table become a stand, a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and bend their backs forever. God had already spoken these words about a divide in Israel and about how he would um, keep a remnant. And uh, this is exactly what he's done in the gospel. So there are still Israelites being saved. Not everybody who's physically descended from Israel is Israel. Uh, except it's the people of promise who are truly the people of Israel. Now,
1: those may seem
0: like uh, somewhat technical um, uh, arguments and why do we need to get bogged down and suck into those matters? Uh, But I simply just come back to my point at the start, which is if God has changed his word, from what he had previously promised to Israel, then we are standing on a shaky ground. Uh, Everything that happened from the Jesus moment onwards, we might like to say, well, yes, but it's the Jesus moment. And look, God sent his son to die for us. The argument would simply be that, which many of Jews would be making today, that was just a man who died on a cross, uh, not connected to God's plan because we are the Jewish people and the story tracks with us. Um, and so uh, underneath it all is the integrity of the message that we trust in and the integrity of the God who has given us this message and who we trust uh, as a result. Uh, so my uh, the application from today uh, is simply to <clears throat> um, look up to God, to look up to his faithfulness, to look up to uh, the way that he has fulfilled his promises and He's done it in a way uh, in which uh, he has marvellously managed to do a whole number of things all at the same time, uh, keeping this plan hidden. Uh, promising it early on, uh, fulfilling it through uh, making it so that sin would be pointed out by the law, uh, making it so that righteousness would go to all the Gentiles, making it so that it would be by grace, making sure that all along his word would be kept, uh, making it so that all along he would have, um, uh, he would remain faithful to his people Israel. Uh, extraordinary level of um, wisdom and what he's done uh, in saving us and, um, and doing it so consistently and righteously and humbling everybody at the same time. And so at the end of this whole section, uh, which we really just kind of skimmed across, Paul concludes with uh, praise. And that's where we'll finish our time uh, tonight and sing a song about God's faithfulness. And he says this, O oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we praise you for your, um, the depths of your wisdom, infinite, uh, unsearchable. And we praise you that you have saved us in such a way that has uh, maintained your faithfulness. You haven't changed in all of your ways. Um, and we can be confident because this is no new thing uh, in one sense uh, to what you have promised and what you have done and said uh, in the past. Thank you that we can trust in your word, uh, we can rely on it, uh, and we can rely on you, that you're a faithful God. And so as we look to our futures, as we look to this week, as we lay down our lives based on your word, uh, we pray that you would help us uh, to be uh, strengthened in our faith and be sure um, that we trust in a God and in a message that is faithful. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. (laughs)